Bibles, we're going to take our Bible affirmation together. Say with me, this is my Bible. It is God's inerrant and unchanging word. It is my most valuable earthly possession. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible is God talking to me personally. Therefore, listen to it carefully and do it fully. And I internalize it in my life by doing these four things. Know it in my head, by diligent study, store it in my heart, by memorization and meditation. Show it in my life by doing his teachings and sow it in my world by being a witness. Hereafter, I will never be the same. Never, 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 in the name of Jesus, for his honor and glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Amen. You're welcome to church one more time. I'll be glad if you can help me stretch your hands and welcome somebody to church. You're welcome with a smile. Amen. This morning, our text has been from Acts chapter 11. Verse 22 to 24, please kindly open with me to Acts of Apostles, chapter 11, verse 22 to 24. And I read, bring out your Bibles, bring out your notebooks so that you will note and go back home and check if what has been said is so. Amen. He said, then the tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent for Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Verse 23. Who when he came, he has seen the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Verse 24. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people were added unto the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, since the year began, that has been our text. Amen. Last week, we got to a point in which we had these conclusions, and I want to start from the conclusions of last week. Number one, grace, the grace of God is God's love that seeks us out when we have nothing to give in return. For God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said, grace is love coming at you, that coming at you in which you don't have anything to do with it. It's not because of you. It's just the decision of the Almighty God. We also said that grace is being loved when we are unlovable. When we are unlovable. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We're not, we didn't do anything worthy of that love but he decided to show us his love. And so the summary was that grace indeed is God's unmerited favor. It is God's benevolence that has been uh, made available to you and I because of one person, and that is because of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so we said, all the dimensions of the grace of God, if you are ever going to experience the grace of God, you only experience God's grace because of Jesus. And so when it comes to grace and the Christian, 
God's grace is only found in the office of the Christ, the office of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you following me? Anything outside it, forget it. You can't talk. We are not talking about God's grace. The grace of God, the true grace of God, is only found in the office of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. And this morning, I want to add some scriptures to this. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we we'll read verse 3, we we'll read verse 6 in the King James Bible. Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, verse 3. It says, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was uh, a, a summation of some thoughts. So he burst out into an exhortation of praise unto God. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Earlier, when we started the series, we defined grace as being all spiritual blessings that God has available in stock for us because of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 of this scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, has another small twist to it. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Exalting the office, what God has done in being gracious to us humanity. And he came yet to another small conclusion here. He says, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Now, he's introducing another aspect of the person of the office of the Christ, the person of Jesus Christ. He now describes Jesus. He says, we have been made acceptable to God. We have, God has actually accepted us. Why? Because of his beloved. Because of his beloved. And who is that beloved? Jesus Christ. So he describes Jesus in terms now, not just as the son of God, not just as the second person in the Trinity, but he describes Jesus as the love, the beloved of God. And why did he use that word? Because it has relationship with us. We that were far, we that were no people, suddenly we have been brought near. If Jesus, the author of our bringing near, is in the beloved, or he is the beloved, therefore it means that he has brought us in and through the beloved unto God's love. Therefore, we are also entered into a relationship of love with God because of his grace. Grace makes us acceptable in Christ. Are you listening to me? The love work was established. Our really getting into the love of God, walking in the reality of that love, is because of the beloved. Who the author of the grace in our lives is, and that is Jesus Christ. And so, when we speak of the blessing being in the heavenly places, it's actually in Jesus Christ. And we have defined grace as God's unmerited favor, God's benevolence shown to us. And in the different manifestations of that grace, we see the following. Number one, with, in Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 on screen. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. He said this. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, this Jesus is also the one that has brought us into the love relationship with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Whatever was a problem has been settled. Verse 2. By whom we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
the grace that we have received in the office of the Christ also ushers us into another level of relationship with God, which is the relationship of access. Access. He said, no longer would you need to pray through me to the Father. No. You have the liberty. You have the freedom to talk to the Father directly. He wants to hear you. As he has loved me, so has he loved you also. Access is given to us. How does the Bible describe this access? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. I'll read the King James first. Then I'll read the Amplified Classic. I want you to see what this grace has wrought for us. The King James first. King James of that scripture says this. He says, let us therefore come boldly because of this grace unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This access is not an access in which I will approach God like the Old Testament saints used to approach God. I will approach God. I won't need to approach God like the high priest of old who must, when he's entering into the Holy of Holies, he will go with a bell round his, uh, his uh, waist and he will also carry the blood of a freshly sacrificed animal. Why does he need that bell? So that when he's entering, he will be shaking the bell intermittently so that people will know that he's alive. He's entering with fear. When he's entering, he's not sure whether he's going to come out. But for us in the New Testament, it is not so. We are called to enter into his presence as we are. And we enter boldly. We have access to his presence. Unlike what the high priest of old used to fear, what, he wasn't sure whether he would come back alive. And so that as he's entering, there's also a long group. Those three things must be there. He would dress in his regalia. He will have the belt around the, the bell. Something with the belt in which he will be ringing intermittently so that people will know he's alive. If he fails to ring the bell at the time he's supposed to ring it, the rope that is on him, they will tug it to see if there's a reaction. If there's no reaction they will be, and they don't hear the bell, it means that he has died in the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is not somewhere they can just enter anyhow. No. So with that uh, rope around his waist, they will use it to drag him out. Drag out his dead body. But in our case, it's not like that. Because of the access we have in Jesus Christ, it's not like that. As a result of what he has done, we go boldly, knowing fully well that we are going to find mercy to help us at the time of need. Let's read again about this access. The same Hebrew chapter 4, verse 16, from the Amplified Classic. Let's read again and see. He says, let us therefore fearlessly, unlike the high priest of old. Are you listening to me? confidently and boldly, unlike what they used to have, draw near to the, to the throne of grace. That is the throne of God's merited favor, unmerited favor to all sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures. Instead of being judged for our failures, we have what? Mercy. That is what this grace has procured for us. And find grace to help us how? In good time. For what? Every need. Please, can somebody read with me if you are seeing it? How does this portion of the Bible translation describe this need? It says what? Appropriate help that we need. Well-timed help. That's the second qualification. Doing what? Coming just when we need it. It's not going to be late. That is what we enjoy because of this grace. It has given us access it's an unmerited favor, but in this unmerited favor, access comes with it. 
It's not like the access the high priest of old had, but it's a new level of access entirely. Praise the Lord. But that was not, that is not the only thing that this grace has given us. He said, it's been described as being undeserved. Truly, man did not deserve it. But truly speaking, it's also beyond being undeserved. I've not found a word that can describe it. But I'll just read some passages of scriptures to us. It is beyond, grace is God's unmerited favor. It is beyond being unmerited. There is more to this grace than beyond unmerited. Let us simply describe it as God showing his grace, showing himself in our lives. Now, if Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, praise the Lord. Ephesians 2, he says this, it's such a beauty to read and to behold. Amen. Let's look, up, let's look into our Bible or look up. He said this, for by grace are you what? Saved. Through what? Faith. And that not of what? Of yourselves. It is what? The gift of God. If you have a Bible, underline that gift of God or highlight it is the gift of God. Because that is powerful. It is loaded. Verse 9. It says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 9 talks of the quality, the quality of what has happened in our lives. For by grace you are saved, true faith. Not of works, not and not of yourselves. It is what? The gift of God. Have you ever received a gift before? Somebody wraps a gift and gives to you. The fact that you even receive a gift from that person elates you. You are happy to see the gift well wrapped. But the surprise is not just in the gift that you got. The moment you unwrap the gift and you open the gift, only for you to see that that gift was a gift that had other gifts inside. Have you ever had that kind of experience before? I have. Somebody packages something for you, and in that package, there's something else in that gift, which actually is the real value or the real beauty in that gift. Are you listening to me? Grace, I want you to see God's grace, God's grace as an envelope. Within that envelope, there are different things inside it. That is what the grace that God in Christ has given to us. And I want to show us three things that are resident in that gift. Grace is a gift that is constantly given. It's constantly giving us back. There are three gifts that God has given us because of this grace. The grace that is in Jesus. The grace that got us born again. In Romans chapter 5 verse 17. Romans 5 17. Quickly. Romans 5 17. Let's read. He says, for the sin of this one man. Please give it to us in uh, the King James Version. King James Version. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Okay. It says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Are you following? But even greater is the wonderful grace and his gift of what? Righteousness. The gift of righteousness is part of the gift that is subsumed in grace. There are three of such gifts that you see in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, I preach about them here. I call them the three cardinal gifts that God has given us in Christ. 
The gift of righteousness. That gift of righteousness is the gift that gives us power. Access to the power of God. The nature of God that is in us. He has given us the gift of eternal life. Eternal life is the life of God. It brings us to the same class as God. That is the gift of eternal life. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Romans 6 23 quickly. I want you to see this. I will come back to the gift of righteousness and the others later. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Can you read the rest with me? But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. True Christ Jesus, our Lord. The gift that is in Christ. That gift of grace that he gave us. In that gift, you find the gift of righteousness. The second gift you find there is the gift of what? Eternal life. The third gift that has been given to us in Christ Jesus is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Remember, grace is a gift. In that gift, there are three dimensions of gift. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. You have been given the gift of righteousness. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. You have been given the gift of eternal life. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. And the third gift that is subsumed in grace is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Acts 2, 38. I want you to take these things down. So when you get home, you will have something to meditate on. You have something to think over and to read and compare scriptures with scriptures. I want us to look at it. Let's read together. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. What will follow? Then you will receive the gift of who? The Holy Spirit. And these gifts have their roles in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. You see, the envelope of all these gifts, what makes all these gifts work in us is the Holy Spirit. The power of God to do. The power of God to effect a change. The power of God to bring things to be the way they are supposed to be. The, the gift of uh, eternal life is the life of God that God has planted in our spirit. He brings us to the level of God. You can therefore stand because of that gift to stand in your office as a priest and a king unto God. You will decree and you'll be able to stand in your priesthood. Why? Because of that particular gift that God has given to us. Now, let's take it one by one. Out. The gift of, the whole, of, of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. Beloved of God, what does righteousness do to us? Yes, righteousness is the nature of God. The nature of God imparted into us. What of what benefit is that nature imparted to us? Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Quickly, please, on screen. Romans chapter 1. Now, I want you to read this with me. 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is what? The power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jews first. And also what? To the Greek. Go on, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith. As it is what? Written that the just shall live by faith. The gift of righteousness is a cardinal gift that God has given to us. By reason of that gift, because of the grace that is in Jesus, he has imparted unto us his nature. What is the nature of God? The Bible says the God that we have been called to serve is a holy God. 
He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. He says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. The gift of righteousness speaks of the rightness of God. If you think you are wearing black and you come in the presence of God and God tells you what you are wearing is not black, it is white. The moment it says it is white, because God has to be always right and God is always right. What that thing you are wearing instantly does what? Changes to white because that is the nature of God. It is the gift of power. Power to become, power to be, power to enforce. The gift of righteousness ushers us into the power of God. It is simply because the people of God don't understand the life or the details in the giftings of God in grace in our lives. That is why think people think, because of grace, I can do as I like and grace will abound. No. Apostle Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? No. The reason why people take the grace of God as a license to sin is because they don't understand this thing I'm about to talk about. The grace of God expresses itself in the gift of righteousness, expresses itself in the gift of the Holy Spirit, expresses himself, itself in the gift of, uh, 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 of eternal life. Concerning the gift of righteousness, we are given the power, the power, the, the, the nature of God to be like God, to walk like God, to, to act like God will act in this any circumstance or situation. That power, that power or, 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 or that nature empowers us to live out the way God wants us to be. That power or that gift or that nature that has been put in our lives empowers us to express the godness in us, what we have become in Christ. It is not a license to sin. It is not a license to live as I like. After all, the grace of God covers me. No, because the Bible says if you come to understand this nature, the understanding of that nature itself will make you to live right. The grace of God in Christ brings you into salvation. Salvation contains the power of God for you to become like he is, what he has made you to be, the provisions he has made for you. Beloved of God, it is this thing that empowers us to live in holiness. It is the source of our ability to live right and grant us access to express the life of God in us. It is what grants us the regalia of salvation in order for you to stand and be a child of God as you are seeing him. That is how I am. Beloved of God, the Bible says this, when you get born again, you confess your sins to him and you, uh, uh, you accept it. Once you acknowledge his lordship in your life, then you begin as a babe in Christ. Can we have 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1 on screen quickly? Please walk with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1 quickly. Amen. Okay. It says, brethren, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes. These are the various classes of people in church, in a New Testament church. Some people are spiritual, that is matured or getting into maturity. While others don't even care what happens in their lives, others are babes in Christ. And what are the characteristics of all these classes? Let's see 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9. Take these things down quickly. Follow me as we go through. 1 John 1, 1, John 1 verse 9. Praise the Lord. First John chapter 1. Are you hearing? Praise the Lord. Have you opened your scriptures there? 
Okay, let me read 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 to us. It says this. Are you listening to me? Look into your Bible. Don't be distracted. He said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. He associates unrighteousness as sin. Are you following me? And he says that because we are children of God, if for any reason you are caught in any sin, you acknowledge it before him and confess it. He accepts it and cleanses you. Is it not true? Now, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John chapter 2. Look into your Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. I need 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Praise God. Are we there? Okay. Let us read it together. Is, are you looking to your Bible? It says, my little children. Did you see that? I want you to note what he associates with the life of a child. My little children, these things write I unto you, so that you will not sin. However, if anyone sins, we have what? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He associates sinning with being a child in Christ. Are you seeing it? He associates sinning with being what? A child in Christ. That is why he wrote in verse, in verse 9 of chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Beloved of God, let me tell you this. Repentance, confession of sins is still relevant to you as a Christian today. Don't say because I have the righteousness of God in me. I have the righteousness of God in me. Whatever I done, the nature of God, it doesn't matter. It matters. Are you listening to me? It matters. It just shows that you don't understand the gift of grace that God has given to you. Now, let's go to verse 12 of this same scripture. Chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. Now, listen to this. Read this. Look up briefly. Just look up. Just note it. I write unto you what? Little children. What was associated with little children in verse 1? What was associated with little children? Sin. Falling and rising. Today is high. Tomorrow is low. Do you understand me? There are sins that easily beset him and get him down. The Bible associates such a class of believer as what? A child. Are you following me? Now, let us... Galatians 4.1. Let us read together. One, two, go. Now, I say that the hair, as long as his word... Different from, different nothing from who? A servant. Though he be Lord of all. Read it again. Now I say that the hair, as long as is what? A child. Different nothing from a servant. Though he be what? Lord of all. Can we have it in the New Living Translation? Let's just see how he puts it. New Living. This one. He says, Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than what? Slaves. Until what? They grow up. Note that phrase. Until they what? Grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had. But they are still, you see, they are not better than slaves. Why? Because they are children. Until they grow up. 
they cannot come into the office of what their father expects them to be. Did you see that in scripture? Now, let's go back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. Good. He says, I write unto you what? Little children. What are the characteristics of little children? They booger, they fall, and they rise. Sin is characteristics of little children. And how does he put it here? Because what? Your sins are forgiven you. For his name's sake. And as long as you, you could have been born again 10 years. You could have been born again 5 years. As long as this is how you are living. Today you are in sin. Tomorrow you are standing. The Bible calls you what? A child. And because of that, you can never manifest the fullness of what God wants you to manifest. Do you understand me? Fred, please come. Please come. This is our brother Fred. Assume for a moment that we're born physically the same day. And in the birth that we had, we're fed the same thing throughout our lives. The difference is that when he was old enough to begin to move around and exercise himself, he was allowed to exercise or he had a liking to exercise. Me, I just prefer to eat and sit down. After five years of eating from the same plate, eating the same thing, breathing the same air, between the two of us, who will be stronger? Why? He will be stronger. Why? Because he's exercising himself. He's putting to, into work the things that he's assimilating himself. Me, on the other hand, self-indulgence. I don't want to do anything. I cannot do anything. I am holding on to whatever it is. We are fed the same thing, but he's exercising himself. If you want to give a weight, please, bro, can I have that his Bible? Maybe he's our father. Bro, come. He's our father. We are going somewhere. Let's assume this is something very precious that he has. And you want to give it to one of us to hold. Who will you give it to? To who? Why? Because he's more active. He's what? More active. Sir. He's more active. Yes, sir. And he's stronger, isn't it? So you give it to him because he's more active and he's stronger. Do you know it's the same thing with God? A lot of us cannot enter into maturity in God, in the things of God. We cannot carry ever, ever, things of eternal value simply because we have refused to grow in Christ. You are still saying the grace of God, I can be what I want. Yes, do it. Confess it. God will forgive you. Be a fornicator. Be a liar. Eh? Be a sinner. Do it. Come to God. God will forgive you. But when God forgives you, remain a child for 10 years. When it comes to things of eternal significance, when God is distributing it, God will jump you and go and give it to the person of strength. Because he knows that he will carry it. Let's read that scripture on. Please sit down, brethren. Let's read it on. First, uh, now, the next verse, verse 13. See, it says, I write unto you what fathers, because what ye have known him, that is what from the beginning. Just note this. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. Now, let us go read the same scripture in the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. This verse 13, NLT. Is somebody there? Okay. 
Brethren, let's read, look at it together. He says, I am writing unto you who are what? Matured in the faith. The King James described the matured in the faith as what? Fathers. Some of us are ought to be fathers. But we have refused to exercise ourselves in righteousness. As a result of that, certain things that need to be committed unto us cannot be committed unto us. The Bible says those that have exercised their senses by living the world. They are the ones that have access to the strong me. He says, I, I, I write unto you who are matured in faith. Because what? You have known him. You are refusing to grow in your knowledge of God. You are refusing to grow in your work with God. Beloved of God, you remain a child and God can never commit things of eternal value to you. He says, why? Because you have known him who existed from the beginning. He says, I am writing unto you who are young in the faith, the maturing ones, those that are pursuing unto maturity. Why? Because you have won your battle with what? The evil one. Beloved of God, this thing is very, very important. See, in Genesis 37 or so, or 38, remember Reuben was the first child of Leah by Jacob. Joseph was the first child of Rachel by Jacob. Remember, the same place where Reuben failed and the birthright jumped and passed him is the same place that Joseph got to and decided to honor God and then the birthright left Reuben and came to him. God will never commit things of value to the young, to the person that has refused to grow, a child in Christ. That is why you must make up your mind today. The Bible says, let's read on, let's read on to verse 14, King James of that scripture. Verse 14. He says, I have written unto you, Father, that is mature one, because you have known him. It is your knowledge of God that qualifies you into maturity. Your work with God from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong. What is making them strong? He said, the word of God abided in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. What is the wicked one? The sins and the temptations that we face every day. While some are failing, let me tell you, others are passing. They are jumping, they are passing. They are saying, no, I will not do this because of God. Do you understand me? Others may, but I will not. If for you, you may decide after it's an era of grace. Yes, the grace of God will be there. But beloved, let me tell you this. While you are bugying, somebody else is building strength. And I tell you, the day of reward will come. And when God will, I will reward every man openly. You should be carrying things that are heavier than you are carrying now. But simply because you, have, you are not able to carry them. Simply because you are not exercising yourself in that gift of righteousness that God has given us. The gift of righteousness is in the power. The gift of righteousness is what exposes us to the power of God. And God has made this gift available so that we can walk in the reality of this power. First John chapter 3. I want to encourage you this week. Go and read the book of First John from beginning to the end. If you finish it today, go back and read it again. Chapter 3. I read from verse 7. He says, look, look at how he describes it. He says, boys and lads. Boys, that is lads. He's describing young people. Let no one deceive you or lead you astray. Now, go back to King James. Please, can you read that first line with me? Everybody, one, two, go. Boys and lad, let no one deceive and lead you astray. Meaning that the route to leading astray is what? Deception. Now, let's go to the King James Version. Read it again with me, the first line. Let little children... 
Let no man deceive you. What did I say is associated with children? Please say it. What did I say is associated with children? So you should know that he's going to talk about sin here. He says, let no man deceive you. Please help me. Can you read this scripture to your neighbor? Look him in the face or in the eye. And said, the Bible says, little children, for those that have resided to remain children. Yes, say it. Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is what? Righteous. It's a decision. Because of time, let's go to verse 10 quickly. Verse 10 of this scripture, somebody. He says, in this the children of God are made manifest. Now, he's not talking about little children here. There's a slight twist in language. He's talking about the children of God, the sons of God, those that are matured in God. They are made manifest compared to the children of the devil. He says, whosoever does not righteousness is what? Not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. Don't let me go to the love dimension today. But let me just stay there. The Bible says, listen, if you are not living as he is, then you are not of him. Then if you are born again, and you are not reflecting him, the Bible describes you in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, as carnal. You are sense-ruled. You are ruled by you what you feel. You are ruled by what you can hear. You are ruled by what you can say. You are ruled by your belly. That is not how God expects us to live. He wants us to live in the reality of the gift of righteousness he has given us. Righteousness comes because of salvation, because of grace. And that righteousness opens up, opens us up. In fact, it impacts the nature of God into us and opens us up to live as God lives. God is a God of power. He gives us access to the power of God. That is why Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? It is God's power. It is God's power. It is God's enablement unto salvation. And the salvation, when it comes, empowers me to be as he is in this world. That is why if we truly understand the workings of the grace of God, we truly understand the three cardinal gifts that God has given us. You and I will discover that because of the grace of God, is actually sent to help you live to be strong and live better as a child of God. Live as a strong Christian. The grace of God empowers us to say no to sin. Titus chapter 2. Can we put have it on screen? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Quickly. In fact, 12 to 13. Give it to us in the King James Version. It says this. For the grace of God that bringeth what salvation has done what appeared to all men. Verse 12. He says what? Teaching us that denying what? Ungodliness and worldly loss. We should live what? Soberly and what? Righteously and what? Godly in this present world. Verse 13. What this grace in salvation does. Read verse 13 together. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. These are the things we find when we live in the reality of who we are in Christ. He has been made unto us righteousness. This is what it implies. Not only am I living in the reality of the power of God in this world, the power to overcome sin, the power to live above sin, 
The power to pursue God and know God and grow and mature in God. The power to also live in a way that when he appears, I'll be qualified for him to be raptured, to go with him. Beloved of God, let me tell you, the grace of God cannot and should not be taken as a license for sin. That is why you must understand that packaged in grace is a gift of righteousness. Packaged in grace is a gift of eternal life. Packaged in grace is a gift of the Holy Spirit. I won't have time to break down all the other gifts. Maybe at another sermon or another teaching, I will. But I want you to know that grace comes with a weight. Grace comes with a price. Grace comes with a consequence. And part of it is exerted on our lives as a result of the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness is not just say because I have the nature of God, I'm free to do anything. I like. I can do anything. If I sin, it is my body that is sinning. My spirit is free. No, 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 no. The Bible says, he that practices unrighteousness is what? Unrighteous. Let me tell your neighbor. The Bible says, he that practices unrighteousness is unrighteous and is of the devil. That is why we cannot manifest the power of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, 1 Samuel chapter 12, there's no time to open. The Bible says there, when Samuel the prophet gathered the congregation of Israel together, I think it was at Mizpah they met. He said, he got to a point, he said, look, listen. He was addressing the church in Israel. He said, church, listen, is there any of you that can accuse me of anything? Did, did I collect gold from anybody? Did I collect bribe from anybody? Did I misapply anybody's resource here? If there is anybody that can accuse me, raise up your hand. And the whole congregation said, nobody, we don't find any fault with you. On the strength of his walk in righteousness. That was a man that was not born again. He could stand and say, now listen, we are in the dry season right now. I'm going to show you something. He therefore stood in the dry season and commanded the thunder of God and rain to fall, which was a miracle on his own. And instantly, the power of God responded. There was great thundering and there was great rain. Why was he able to command that level of result? Because of righteousness. Righteousness is associated with the power of God. Righteousness is associated. If you refuse to live right, you are cheating yourself. You are robbing yourself of God's power to be made available in your life. That is what grace makes available to us. And simply because some of us don't understand, we begin to live anyhow, thinking that grace is a license to sin. Bow your heads, let's talk to God. I know our time is fast spent. We'll continue from there later. I pray for all of us today. I don't know if there's anyone here. You say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be born again. Can I see your hands up wherever you are? If you are here, you are born again, but you don't understand how you are living your life. You want to be reconciled back to God. You say, I want to just put things right with God. Can I see your hands wherever you are? Let me pray with you. If you are there, just stand as I pray at this moment. Tell God, God, I need your help. God, I want my life to be reordered in the right fashion. This is a time between you and God. Your standing is your admission before God, not before any human being. I don't care who is looking at you, who is not looking at you. This is between you and God. If you are watching from home, I'll pray the same prayer with me right now. Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for, the, for making salvation available to me. I believe in my heart and I confess him as Lord of my life. Receive me today, O God, in the name of Jesus. If you prayed like that, you are born again. Call the number on screen. And if you are in the service at this time, I want you to please see uh, Pastor Ronlawa who is standing there. 
he will be available to talk with you and give you further instructions. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's now open your eyes. Look up. Today is our first fruit and thanksgiving day. Our first fruit day because we will still have our thanksgiving service the first Sunday in March. Now, for those of us, you have either transferred or you have brought in your first fruit. Can you stand where you are?